everybody, and welcome to the Guinness World Record holding Bondazi Fire! That's right, everybody. This is the Fondazi Fire Show. It is a show where we ask the simple question, what do you want? Now, normally the answer would be more fire, but since this is a podcast, we're going to be giving you the ins and outs of how a world record setting fire and music performance group operates in the day by day, year by year. Tonight, we're going to be discussing some of the different management styles that have existed in Fondazi over the years. And to answer this question properly, we have with us as our guests, the original founding members, Chris and Teresa Meese. And I'm joined by my lovely wife and co-owner, Katie. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, Chris and Teresa, what were some of, uh, some of the things that you remember most about managing during the beginning of Fondazi? Yeah, the, the first year, I think, was the most painful as far as management because we were new to managing as well yeah. as organizing and thinking of what we were doing. We had no it. idea what we were well, doing. How, how old were you guys when you started, when this began? Uh, I was 24. So you were 27. Yeah, sounds about right. Was there any other management experience that you had before involving yourself in managing a huge group of performers? You know, I had some experience. Yeah. Um, I, I worked at Trollwood, Trollwood Performing Arts School up in Fargo where uh, high school kids get to take theater classes all summer long. And I was, I was master carpenter up there for a long time. And um, I managed crews of people building uh, theater sets outdoors and teaching some carpentry classes. Uh, and then when we strike the set at the end, it's it's like 300 people show up with hammers and like, what can we do? And so it was, I, I got pretty good at point and shoot with, you know, moving people around and, and get things done. Um, in that regard, as far as it's just taking a big project and breaking it down, and Teresa and I kind of worked on that together. She is very organizational uh, and was very helpful in just helping us put together what we were doing. Um, and then my father actually helped us build the traveler wagons uh, mm -hmm. that we use out at Renaissance Festival. And uh, that was a project uh, in and of itself. Yeah, he definitely had the, the know-how and the skill to get that from start to finish. And I just remembered actually very relevant to managing Fondazi its first couple of years. I was an assistant manager at a child care center. So oh. <laughs> prior to that, so I knew it's how pretty, to be patient with people. similar experience. Exactly. Yeah. Patience, um, <laughs> you know, dealing with fights, listening to people, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, we, we auditioned. We got out to Fest. They, they let us in really wanted to have our own fire pit and cook and have a kind of living stage experience. Mm -hmm. We're going to be mm -hmm. very different than we are now. Yeah. Uh, we really right. wanted to portray a, a family, a family traveling with our wagons. And doing which, odd shows. which I think is interesting the way you say that, because what it's turned into is a very large family. Yeah, it is. So that part yeah. actually came true, but it's, it's really funny though, because when we were starting Fondazi and researching Roma culture, um, the one thing that we decided to just not embrace was yeah. the taboos because we have, Fondazi has become a big family, but we are very matriarchal in a way with, you know. Yeah, there, there have always been more women than men in Fondazi, at least initially there were. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think that also comes along with more than just our roles in Fondazi. Like with our costuming, yeah. there's a taboo against the color red, and we love. That was a I big. I mean, thing. it's my favorite color. I, you know, yeah. I love wearing red. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a whole thing across the border where we were trying to be as respectful as we possibly could, but at the same time, uh, encompass and show us as individuals and characters and everything. Right. And we really wanted to take this to like a fantasy. And we, you know, film and literature version of Roma, not true life so much. Right. Yeah. But we had done some, Chris's several books written by folks from the Roma community. Fantastic. Uh, Smoke in the Lanes. Okay. uh, Is a fantastic one. And the other one is called The Gypsies. And it was written by uh, someone from the Roma culture. He titled it that. But uh, both excellent books. I can probably find the authors for you in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, but they're excellent books. Okay. How many, you were talking about like, there was a lot of people that kind of like came in and faded out uh, in the first few years. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we're going to get into an entirely different podcast later about original cast, but like what kind of turnover, like the first five years? First five years. Let's see. Jenna and <clears throat> Uncle eBay. Yeah. Was that and I, the first people five listening, years? Yeah. I will be going back and forth with names. Um, Annie was gone after, before the first five years were out, wasn't yep. she? Yep. She was gone. I she, think she was, yeah. Because yeah. we were on the stage in our third year. We? Yeah. And she was only at the stage for one, I think. So we lost Annie, we lost Ayara, we lost Mike, or Uncle eBay. Mike and Mike. Mike and Mike. <laughs> well, there's two Mike Mikes. and Mike. Yeah. yeah. Um, wasn't there a guy, unless I'm totally, like, Making up memories. <laughs> right? Um, wasn't there somebody who did woodworking at our stage? Or was oh, John. he one of the stranglers? John. Yep, yeah, John. I was there for a while, too. Yep. Okay. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. You're not <laughs> there crazy. There was a guy. There was he, a guy. He moved over to Cottage. Yep. Okay. He was only there the first year, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So we had, and then we had, like, everybody that could pick up a drum would come and play with us, which was great. I love that. We had a very large group of people that would come and drum. And there's still several people that still work at a festival that would come and play music with us. Yeah, and I mean, we were very drum heavy because that's what we played. We and that's it. what he built at the time. Christopher built drums, and so. Yeah. Right. And we just had the one fiddle player, uh, which was Jenna, the first year, and but she didn't come back. Uh, Frankie. Frankie came in, and the music took a completely different turn, uh, which we'll probably, I know we're covering that in another episode as well, but uh, right. our music kind of started, she was a, she played Irish music, and I convinced her to play it in a minor key. <laughs> so that's <laughs> kind of how we got started. Yeah. Um, yeah. So who came in? Who played guitar for us right away? Uh, when, I don't think anybody year? played guitar. Was it? It was Tracy, wasn't it? Um, Tracy before was the Tracy was, was in right 2009, now. for sure. Oh, we had somebody before. But I think Tracy. she was. No, maybe the year before that too. She replaced Jake. Mick was our guitar player. Then Tracy. So we went through a lot of musicians we have been through a lot of musicians but i think that's just kind of a musician thing isn't but it they all moved well, I, on. I, yeah we, we asked a few to leave some went on to other things on their own yeah well i think when it comes to music similar to like when it comes to the dance and the fire you have to have a passion for what you're doing and we have yeah. a very very distinct style and if you don't have the passion to do that you're not going to stick around right. yeah or you know if you want to try something else like when uh uh, salsa eventually became Casimir. You know, sometimes it's just that you're passion adjacent, but not exactly where we're at at the time, and that's fine. 
So no hard feelings to anybody, uh, clearly, but. So I just kind of, we've, we've had six guitar players that I can think of <laughs> and three fiddle players. Yeah. 20 drummers. I don't know. I'm making that up. <laughs> I don't think we had four. Right? But, but there, okay. So when we started and, um, uh, Salsa, Ridley and Chris would switch out on the drums. So it felt like we had 20 drummers just because they were always like, if they weren't on stage performing, they were drumming. And so it was this constant rotation. And that was part of the show lineup difficulty was figuring out who was where yeah. when. Yeah. Oh, it was, sur- it was super confusing to write any show orders back then because it was. Yeah. It was where, how is this person going to get from backstage onto right. drum and do so in a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. And. That was super challenging. Yeah, definitely a uh, logistical challenge. Yeah. Well, that was why the very first thing that Katie and I were talking about when we took over management was how can we get a full-time drummer? And that was hard because, you know, when you got when we started managing Fondazi, there was the how do you how do you come out in the black doing yeah. this project? How is it how is it not costing you money to be out at festival performing fire? And so the the idea of, well, we're going to bring on another cast member that's completely new uh, and pay them somehow was many a conversation that Katie mm-hmm. and I had <laughs> yeah. of like, yeah, it's going to cost money. I go, yeah, but we really need it in order to move forward. Uh, we really need to have the drummer so we don't so we get all of our performers backstage and can fully utilize them for their fire skills i will will say that that i think that's something that you really brought to the table was when we restructured fondazi was really a lot of your ideas Mm -hmm. i I had the artistic vision of what i could see fondazi doing and where i wanted us to go but adam really had that technical everything else well he (laughs) had fresh eyes and he did not have the you know this is the way we've been doing it Right. Which sometimes can like make it difficult to step outside. Yeah, we had definitely got into a comfortable well, was, place, but yeah, it yeah. was it was, well, a, it was one of those ongoing Renaissance festival jokes of like how many rennies does it take to change a light bulb? And like, you can't change that light bulb; it's been there forever. Yeah, and that is honestly one sing- of the most frustrating aspects of every single out. step that I was taking in the beginning of when I came into Fondazi was talking to Katie, and she's like, "No, no, we we've always done it this way," and it's like. Okay. <laughs> cool, but, but maybe maybe we can think about something else. So yeah, like Kate, Kate, we always I've always said like Katie had the big vision, and I just end up being the mouthpiece for her ideas. But mm-hmm. also, I, I try to uh, like create the strategy and the framework to accomplish those ideas that were that we're after. Yeah, you you have the actual like rational thinking of how to get there. That's why you guys call me the Terminator all the time. Because I just have the ideas of this is going to be beautiful. And it will. And Adam's like, hmm. <laughs> and it, it will. Still, it can still be beautiful, but. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm trying to think of some more of the oh, and challenges we had early on. Uh, learning how to work with the different entertainment directors, uh, oh, which. Every year there was a different one. I really, really? I, I just yeah. want to say that I like David so that's and good. Aaron. <laughs> David and Aaron were great. The guy that gave us our first contract quit opening weekend. Really? And David Pipo stepped in, and we were already there. And so David is actually the one who put us on the stage. Yeah. Because 
he let us limp in the second year and was like, we were doing fire mm. that second year. He's like, you know, you guys might have something here. Why don't you put something together and come audition it? Mm-hmm. And okay. so we did. And then I remember just kind of shaking. Remember we went to that campus and did the yes. audition? Yeah. And I mean, we were all just terrified. You're like, we're, we're, this is like all or nothing. Make or break yeah. moment. And he's like, great, you're on Gypsy Stage, go. We made it to regionals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's called Sherwood Stage now, but back then it was, it was Juicy Stage. And so they had given us a slot there, and it was like homecoming. It was great. Man, I actually the big time. Yeah, I started entertainment there uh, with Suleiman Circus way back in the day, uh, which is a completely different variety show. It was more like Sisters of the Sahara than it was like Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, belly dance kind of show. <sighs> Sorry, into the weeds here. No, that's okay. Uh, no, nice that's where we're supposed happy. to go. Yeah. No, I'm just like sitting here thinking of all the, like the show that used to be here, the show that used to be there. I mean, when we first were there, was it um, who was it? Was it Dane and See? Dan yeah. at that it, point? It was. Tastes like burning was, was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tastes like burning, and it was Dane. And Robin Hood was gone. That's why Silius. we got the slot. Yeah. Right. And that, and then sisters, but they weren't sisters of the Sahara at that time, were they? There yeah, was, they were. yeah, sisters of the Sahara. When they broke up, they came back as Caravan. As Caravan. In, in Black Isles. Yeah. Right. But yeah, they were sisters of the Sahara, Sahara back. Back when I would sit in the audience and watch the Fondazi Taste Like Burning Sister of Sahara lineup. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, what it you, was. Knew it, you knew it all. <laughs> yeah. So it was so strange to have two fire shows on the same stage, but we did completely different things. Yeah. I True. liked it. You know, yeah. people would come for the fire and they'd stay for more fire. And it, well, Adam <laughs> was watching just, somewhere deep in the has, back of his brain that seed was planted. Like, yeah, hey, I was like, that like show's nice, but this one has more fire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm, I'm not sure at that time that that's, that's actually accurate. I'm not sure. I, I, like don't, I don't think Dane fire. would agree with that either. <laughs> or Dan. No. We won't talk about where they put all that fire in. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so quickly, have, do you want to, yeah. how, how did More Fire come about? We want to talk about More Fire? I want to quickly talk about More Fire. All right. A little sidebar. How did we get more fire? Uh, so it's my second year of performing that more fire came because the first year we I was over at B Gate with you guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, uh, real quick caveat that that was when Robin Hood was brought back to the stage. They overbooked yeah. the stage, yeah. and the management kind of said, "Well, you came from the street. Why don't you guys go back there and see what you can do?" And oh, wait, wait. we made a nuisance yeah. of ourselves and they put us back on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out you can't just put a stage act in so, the middle of the. So yeah. Chris, fair. when did they tell you that we did not have a slot? The week and before it opened, yeah. or maybe during the week that it opened? During the week that it opened, so, I think. Yes. We get there Friday night and we find those of us who didn't know necessarily, like I did not check my messages ever. I will totally admit that at that point in time in my life. Well, this is pre smartphones. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, I had no idea until Friday night we get there and I'm like, what the hell is happening? Because I did not, of it? Did not well, know. Chris and I were homeless when they kicked us off the stage and told us we were homeless again. So that was <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> we were living in a camper Lovely. with a baby and our two dogs. And then they're like, by the way, you've got some extra wagons. Why don't you move them and go find a place to live over there? And we're like, well, I guess we're already equipped for <laughs> this. But I knew, I knew Trail of Terror had pre-made flats, stage flats, yep. 
that were deck flats that were you could hold stuff. And so I yeah. went to the site manager, Bonnie, and I said, "Hey, can I have some flats from Trail to make a stage?" And she said, "Yeah, sure, go get them, but you got to haul them and move them yourself." So we went and got a of bunch course. of flats, built a stage during cast call on Saturday morning, yep. and. We, I think we paid a couple of the local runnies a case of beer each to help us push the bardos across. So. They were two guys that lived down the hill from us in the campground, and we saw them walking by, and Chris said, hey, can I get you guys to move some stuff for, for some beer? And they're like, yeah, and they just wanted the cheap stuff, and we tried to get them. <laughs> I got two cases of Miller High Life, and they were just happy. And it worked out great. <laughs> I, yeah. so and good. it had rained. Oh, it was like. Flooded. You yeah. could not yeah, drive it was muddy. It was and horrible. So, the pushing of the Vardos was through thick ruts of mud. It was a lot of work. Uphill, both ways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then we well, went and got benches. Yeah. We took benches because they promised yeah. us benches, and they wouldn't give them to us. So we went and took them from the mud stage, which didn't have anybody there until third weekend. And yep. uh, the site manager got mad at me, and I told her to go talk to the assistant technical director because he said we could have them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was uh, another interesting chat. He came by and said, yeah, so... so site manager came and talked to me today and I said, I bet she did. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that segue aside, uh, more fire. So after that, right. well, well I my, like my first season was at B gate. That was what I was getting at. Right. Which yeah. I think is something that we should talk about though, just because yeah. it has, that's a managerial, like, yeah, oh, we can circle oh, back sh- to the B gate thing yeah, as soon of, as we finish I, the I more, fire. more fire. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm waiting too. <laughs> so it was the second, second, my second season. We're back on Sherwood's, what's now known as Sherwood Stage. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we did not have the protocols in place that allows the show to run as smoothly as it does now. Uh, one of which is that we, 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 at the time, we would fuel props yeah. as we needed them. Mm-hmm. So backstage, you'd have someone, typically monkey, dipping the props, spinning them off, and getting them ready for whatever's on stage next. Mm-hmm. right before it goes up. And this is one of those occasions that there was some confusion backstage, things hadn't got dipped, nothing was ready to go on stage, <laughs> and I had started doing the announcements over at B-Gate because Chris was like Chris asked me to go go up there and try it out. And so by second season I'm still doing announcements and Salsa runs up to me and he's like, "Go stall." And I go, "Okay, what should I say?" <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. Like, okay. And so I run up on stage and I, I just remember pausing in front of the audience and it's that moment where everything's quiet and nothing's moving and everyone's looking at me and I was like, hi. <laughs> I just remember going, so have you had enough fire? And everyone goes, no. And I go, do you want more fire? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to bring you more fire in just a second. And I ran back to Salsa and I was like, that went great. He's like, yeah, it really did. I'm like, okay, we should keep doing that. Nice. I love it. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, it was completely just off the cuff, stuck in front of the audience going, oh, crap. (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, And it works beautifully to this day. It, it still does. People know people know exactly what to say, when to say it. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of prompting in the beginning. Yep. 
and then they're good to go. Well, I think also at this point in time, if you've seen our show, there's most likely somebody in the audience who's seen it before. It's true, but we... They know what to say. It's true, but now when we go to other festivals in different states who has never seen us, mm -hmm. uh, we, still, we still instruct them how to yell for more fire. I mean, the fact is that we don't get any more festivals in new states that we haven't <laughs> done before. Right now. Just yeah, it's true. Right now, all this is going on, that's for sure. Right yes. now, we're not performing for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, let's but, um, take a moment with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think for us, like, we we as both as management teams had sort of different goals going into, like, what we wanted to do with Fondazi mm -hmm. yeah. as, as each one of us owned it. Like, uh, when you guys started, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seemed to me that your goal was, like, to create this cohesive family unit and have that type of variety show. Mm -hmm. And it was very festival-oriented. Is that accurate yeah yeah that's where we started we uh that's what we knew yeah yeah and the variety show aspect of it like i don't know why for so many years it never occurred to us to try putting more than one person on stage at a time well we didn't have enough of us that did enough things initially yeah. i mean and the cross training was tricky sometimes yeah. i guess but yeah Jason had poi i could breathe fire and eat fire salsa mm -hmm. had a quarter staff and also knew some poi right um I don't know what Zayara did. <laughs> she, I don't think Zayara. She was kind she, of our little fire she, sprite. She was a, yeah, she was a fire and sprite. She, she was, was the um, she was the entertainment between sets so that the next person could get ready to go on. So yeah. she'd like come out and do a little fire thing, and then the next person would go on. Yeah, fire right. did. Or, uh, Annie did fire manipulation. Katie did fire manipulation. Did you know Poi right fans. away? She had fans. I did fans. fans. Annie taught me right away. So the first season, I could do manipulation because Annie mm -hmm. had taught me. And yeah. then, um, because I hung out with Annie so so much, and she <laughs> lived with some of the the guys who were in ta um, Fire, Fire Inc., mm -hmm. I got a lot more of um, critiques and helps with them when yeah. we, when we started doing more stuff. So it was really nice to be able to learn from Stu and Dan. Yeah, I miss them. So, guys. Yeah, I mean, They're, we would go out. Don't see them. You know, we would have one person come on and do a piece, and another person would come on and do a piece, and we do a build up, and they would do a a number, and you know, it just it went one to the next, and then we'd usually finish it off with a couple of us doing fire breathing. And, yeah, right. You know, it was, well, it was a cool show, and it was always one of Katie's visions, first of all, of like to have that more choreographed fire routine going on. So more than one person, whether one person was the spotlight and had just backup dancers mm -hmm. going. Yeah. I would actually, Brett and I tried his first or first and second year. We both tried to continue. Like we, we tried to get together. We tried to work things out. Cause that was part of the problem was that we all lived dispersed throughout the True. cities and trying yeah. to get people from where you guys were in St. Cloud to like Brett and Uptown and me and, you know, like we were all, spread Everywhere. out so much that it wasn't right. really easy to get everybody to get, and even now it's not but my point was is that at that point in time we right have more gas money try. now we yes <laughs> <That's true. laughs> we have more gas money it's true yeah. um, but you know in 2009 when we were on that floating stage though i remember that that's when you and i started doing backup dancing for some of the numbers yeah too, we at so. that point we started doing um yep. and we started doing the big year. finales yep. yeah everyone coming on flood mm -hmm. the stage yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Was a good and, I, show. and I came from a drum and bugle core performance background. So everything that we put on the field was choreographed and like the, you know, the formations happening and the flags all go up in the air at the same time. And I was like, well, 
So I, I at least had an idea about how that could happen, at least in that environment. Yeah. And we could take some of those same principles of like, well, this is how we rehearsed it just over and over and over yeah. and over again. And then uh, break it down into, you know, smaller, smaller numbers and smaller chunks to get the choreography written. And then when you guys started it, did you think that it was going to last this long? I had no idea. I mean, there were some groups at festival that, I don't know, we'd go six, eight years, like the Tattered Amalians, but they were five, six years. And I feel like the Thieves Guild was out there about that long. We have mm -hmm. far surpassed most of those. Right. Um, I think, to think about any of the other... when we first started it, the first year, you know, I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. It was my third season at festival and my third group in three seasons because first group had dispersed. I was started in the fairy court and they dispersed. And then mm -hmm. the second year I was with Comedia. I left Comedia to be in this group. And at that point, I guess, since it was him, I, I expected to be with him for the rest of my life. So I feel like this part of me just kind of expected Fondazi to be successful too because we work to be successful together yeah. and once we got the fire stuff going i was like oh hell yeah <laughs> and the, the people the core people in the group are super solid human beings and i don't want to get emotional but i'm feeling it but you know i guess at a certain point it just was an entity that is just existing and breathing and living on its own and we're all here along on the ride yeah, I was actually listening. I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were talking about just corporations and how corporations can exist outside of individuals. And then I, like even before we incorporated Fondazi, it was always a she mm -hmm. and it was always its own thing. Like Fondazi is its own living entity. And it's, it's interesting how a corporation can become that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, feel I also like... think it's it's also interesting that there's people like people like, but in Fondazi, there's you guys were married. Adam and I were married. Mm -hmm. Raiderly is married to Salsa. Now Salsa is Casimir, but we perform at the same stage. Right. And it's, you're still part of the he's family. Still part of the family. Yeah. Um, Kristen and her husband, Al, he does all of the tech stuff. My point is, could have used him for this podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my sound guy now? I know. Um, my point is, there's so many of us whose relationships won't... I mean, I highly doubt within Adam's and my marriage anytime soon, we're, we're going to know what it's like without Fondazi. Mm -hmm. True. You know, it's never not, existed without it. Right. We have never taken family vacations without first considering our performance schedule. Of, okay, yeah. when do we perform? When What's going on? What's this weekend look like and I think that's so interesting that when you guys started Fondazi you had a family in mind and it's really grown into this multiple family when it comes to marriages and children and whatnot yeah it really has I mean the group has stayed really tight we've been married we've all got kids mm -hmm. and even our it, kids holy cow all of our sons so, are all the same age and yeah <laughs> they are on constantly they are on talking or on xbox or on ipads or they're i don't know the boys are just they are all best friends and it's so yeah. sweet it is and it's so like especially with the world doing what it is right now such a blessing to have mm -hmm. that closeness because one of my favorite things is during the festival season so for people that don't know we bring 
various <laughs> groupings of children out with us every weekend. Our kids are out there all the time just because of uh, a lack of extended family and stuff like that. So we kind of like had to you have them with us. And so you can't ask your family to watch your kids for seven weekends straight. It's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot. It is a lot. And I will say that our kids are not out there Sunday, but they, my mom no. volunteered yeah. to take them after so many years yeah. of us asking for just a couple weekends. Yes. You know? And like it, my mom finally said one year of, I'll just take them every Sunday. It's just easier for you. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. And then my sister yeah. stepped up and was like, I'm going to take them half a Sunday a month doesn't have to take a full time. <laughs> so it really worked out well for us, but that's because we have like my mom lives five minutes from us and my mom and my sister lives ten minutes from us, but not everybody's family does that. Like our families are not don't live conveniently located. No, so and like, right next to the festival. And Ravely and Salsa's family, they they all work out there except for Salsa exactly. in different states. So it's right. But the kids not, you go off stage and you open the door to the Vardo to check on the kids and I was telling Jameson, I'm like, I don't know how you do it. But the three of you boys are at the exact same time all sitting on top of each other. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and it's the cutest are. little puppy pile. Every time you open the door, they're just like this giant puppy pile. And they're all playing the same game together on their tablets or watching a movie or whatever. And it's just, it's so nice to see their closeness. It is. And it's really um, nice, too, also, within our little alcove mm -hmm. of our stage that all the shops know who our boys are. Yeah. Like, and, and they is... talk, what? Oh, oh, so they, no. they, I feel safe with them going out there because the shops oh, yeah. know them and we know the shops and the, you know, they, they're fine going around in certain mm -hmm. areas because it's, you know, that the community people's out there watching for them. Well, yeah. Think, to draw it back to the topic at hand of oh, management, like that was part of our discussion too, was that we yeah. were going to make this environment friendly for the family. So yeah. it can always have that environment going on. It wasn't just going to be straight business. Here we go. Uh, we were well, very when concerned Chris about hired Katie the first season. She was pregnant. And yeah. uh, <laughs> true story. We, we've never laid off a, a woman for being pregnant or asked her to not, you know, or replaced her. That's the right. other thing is we've never put filler bodies on the stage. And I think that that is very unique in the entertainment industry and in the festival climate in general, that when you're pregnant, you're not gone. Yeah. Right. And we're we all gave, under contract, pregnant or not. Right, mm -hmm. and we found jobs for everybody when they were pregnant. We yeah. try to switch things up. Yeah, what can you accomplish? Can you do some sewing for us to, you know, yeah. contribute to the group? Mm -hmm. There was a sewing, and there was just even choreography. Of, yeah. yeah. You come to rehearsals and sit and just watch us and tell us what could be different. Yeah. So they were all the ladies were all around. Teresa took a segue to Irish Cottage one year. I had such on... bad morning sickness that year. I needed to be I sure that. I was in a place where I could throw up discreetly and be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It was yeah. But she was still under contract with Fondazzi. Yeah. yeah. Sure. But she went and she was very pregnant and she was <laughs> at the cottage with friends of ours who ran it. So they, they let her I had babysitters. <laughs> Yeah. They, they kept her fed with the, when she could eat and gave her a bucket when she couldn't. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing the people that take care of you when you're out there. Because oh, the, yeah. first, the first year, or the, the year before our first year when I was pregnant, I had so many people taking care of me. People that I was like, I don't really know you, but thank you. Because yes. I was pregnant and huge and it was hot. And why was I out there? I don't know. <laughs> because it's festival and we love it it's festival and, and I the love performing it. we all like performing and it's a bug but i, I yeah i it. think that getting back to the topic rounding back around to management 
Um, <laughs> by far for me personally, um, my personal most stressful management thing was replacing a musician after first weekend. And that was an unfortunate situation. And it mm. was not a choice that we wanted to be making. And I don't want to go into details about it. The public does not need to know when other people have difficult times, but there was a difficult situation and it required that we replace musician and, um, Alan really saved her butts by being available. But that week, not only did I have to try to find the musician to replace, but I had to contact lawyers to make sure that what somebody had been saying about rights to music and all that verify the veracity of what was being told to me, because I'm not a, contract lawyer music lawyer any of those things i had no idea and right. um yeah so it was ironically a... you guys got to have that same issue yeah well because that continued on the next year i it think it did we were right still having we that conversation yeah. yeah so yeah we got to play with lawyers too oh we, couple, we played a couple, couple, couple different times. occasions yeah yeah when lawyers aren't my down to it favorite They're, game <laughs> uh, it's not it's not fantastic but it's, when they work it's it's very oh, nice yes i love lawyers i just mean having to talk to them is not, having to I use them like yes yeah, not great <laughs> yeah but, but I don't, what was your was there anything else well, i was just was, thinking back you know to my role uh kind of back in the beginning the first five six years is you know I carried the title Ron Barrow. I know we talked about that before. We're year now, Ron Barrow, leader of the family. And, mm -hmm. I don't um, know that we did. We talk about that in the first two episodes. I don't think we did. I don't think we it did. came up. Let's, we touched base on Ron Barrow. Did we? Ron but Barrow. We can, yeah. Let's. Yeah. But it, was I, was that, the short for definition that of Ron Barrow familiar, is familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It is the uh, Roma name for the um, clan leader, basically the person. Yeah. Person who makes right. the final judgment on tough right. decisions. Basically, so, what. We call it Terminator. Yes. <laughs> the Patriarch. But I, you know, Terminator. the cast members individually would come to me quite often with issues or concerns, and we would talk about them and then, you know, try to take steps to address their concerns to make whatever the problem was better. And sometimes it went the other way where I had to go to that person and say, hey, I've got concerns with the way you're acting. Uh, you're unsafe or you're making people upset or you stepped on a toe. This is how we fix it and smooth things out. And yeah. uh, I, I, that was my role quite often in the group dynamic is people would come to me privately and then we would go solve an issue uh, and soothe feathers and, and unruffle things just to help keep everybody moving and, and working together as a family. Right. And one of the one of the pains that I I noticed in that process was everything was a very individual basis, which is which is good because it treats everyone as an individual. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we aimed to improve upon was just a, an ability to say these were the rules that we set down in the beginning, because like we. I've, I, I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I felt like at times there was, Hey, I kind of expected you to do this, but at the same time, it was never clearly like written out for these, for these individuals of like, this is how I expect you to behave while you're on cast. Yeah. Uh, it was just more, more or less like, Hey, this is decent. And in you know, how most people would expect you to behave <laughs> and it's not being met. Uh, so we were, you know, so our, first, our first year, we just like, there was a social contract that we ex that they expected. Yeah, there was a social contract, 
but we oh, wanted we to put out. Oh, we absolutely slid into being a business without actually behaving like we an have. effective <laughs> business, and that is a valid observation. And we're really glad that you guys figured that out and switched things up. Yeah, because <laughs> we were basically a club. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. We talked about formalizing and becoming a legitimate entity, and. You know, when we pass things to you, we, we talk to you about that too. Like, hey, you know, this is where we think it needs to go, but do your own thing because yeah. here's control. Um, we, you mean, we're we're out right now. We don't want it to die. Uh, right. But we still want to play. But we still want to play. So please let us come and play. We'll do whatever you want to do, but you just let us come and play with fire and, and not be in charge. And I don't know how you guys felt from your side of things, but the first couple of years that after we switched over. I was so self-conscious about stepping on toes. Like I worked myself up into massive anxiety about like not wanting to do anything that would lead you to feel like I was trying to do anything in an ownership role anymore. Well, and I that, kept yeah, I had like yeah. the opposite. I had like that dread of, oh my gosh, you're judging everything that we're doing. <laughs> And then Katie and I cried a lot together in Lombardo when we'd finally <laughs> break down and be like, oh, this is yeah. what's going on. Oh, and, oh, really? and people would still yes. come to me and say, hey, I've got this issue on how they're running things. I remember that. Yeah. And, and we like, kept telling, tell people, talk to us. Not talk to them. They're not going to kill you. I mean, they're, they're not right, going to fight Right, just come you. talk to us. I we might, even but... We even started trying to meet with everybody after every season like individually going yeah no problem is there something wrong what can we do different talk to us well, I, yeah, I that was a, a, that was a challenging transition of like who do i report to yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly who do i report to that guy who i knew was the boss or that guy who you say is the boss ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like but, oh yeah. yeah that was a challenge is that why we start every meeting with you saying one so everyone yeah, knows that's when you know it is <laughs> <laughs> okay uh-huh. And that's Brett <laughs> says for you. That's right. <laughs> Try to be neutral. So yeah, should we get to the transition where you guys are you want to talk about yeah. your neutral? So the transition, like uh first and foremost was us establishing our direction for what we thought we could do with Fondazi. And I think didn't we decide right away like we wanna be a premier act at minnesota renaissance festival we want to be like one of the top tiers right that was yes, the goal that was that was actually your main goal when we joined or when we took over was you said i want i want us to be known i want us to to walk through the festival and have people go i know who they are yeah that's basically was i think like your one criteria for like really taking over and joining them <laughs> this is what we're gonna do i want to go to costco and have people recognize me <laughs> I, want, I want to go pick up stuff off Facebook and have yeah. people freak out that it's a Fondazi picking up their <laughs> picking up True their uh, floor tiles. <laughs> we yeah. thought that happened, right? Well, we bought our new house. We met our neighbor. He figured out who we were and started jumping up and down <laughs> in the street, telling my daughter's going to be so impressed. Yes. No, it turns out teenagers are not impressed. Our, I mean, oh, she our, loves us. Just oh, she our loves teenager okay. is not impressed. Our teenager is not just impressed. Just our teenager. Yeah. Shout out Most to you. I'm not going to say your name, neighbor teenager. Yeah. You're cool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we uh, we set down our goal, which was top flight entertainment. And then how are we going to get there? Right. And I, I distinctly remember you when you and I were sitting down talking about it. Like mm -hmm. we were, I don't know if we were at the dining room table or where we were, and it was just us. And, and I was explaining to you what I saw and where I wanted us to go and 
the magnitude of change. And I remember you looked at me and you go, honey, you're not going to like this. And I just remember staring at you going, oh, what are you going to tell me? And you go, in order for this to happen, everyone's going to get uncomfortable for about three years. And I and looked you're at right. you and I, and I yeah. go, what? And I go, within go, five years, everyone, we should meet our goal. But within for the first three, everyone's going to be it's uncomfortable. It's going to be really weird. You're not going to be very happy because people aren't going to be very happy with us. Yeah. But in order to get it to where we want it to be, every it, it's three about three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember just looking at you going, no. No, we can't do that. I don't, like <laughs> right. I don't want discomfort. I don't do this to be unhappy. Right? I'm like this is my happy place. Why are you making it uncomfortable? Well, because we had to. We had to change the environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the environment you set up was great, and it still persists today. And it's the backbone of Fondazzi. But it's not us. But it's yeah. not. It's not us. Yeah, we. Uh, we. It did not have the potential that you guys created. Holy buckets! Right. Well, I mean, everybody kind of had the attitude of we don't tour, we don't go on circuit because this is our hobby, this is our fun thing we do on weekends in the summertime, and that was kind of what you were fighting. We had so many limiting beliefs. Yeah, and that, that wasn't just our belief; it's what some of the others had too. Yeah, yeah. sure. No, I, I had direct conversations with some them. members of like, "This is a hobby. I don't want to do this business thing that you're doing." And I was like, "That's." totally cool if you don't want to do this you know but this is what we're doing (laughs) this is what we're doing i I remember you saying more than once people might quit people might quit people are not going to be happy might have to fire some people but we can get we can get there yeah and we did yeah we got there yeah and our cast was amazing i think we got the top stage act at minnesota within four years three four years so what other adventures of management did you guys run into uh i've had to let go of two fondazi employees over the years which Mm -hmm. was never something that like i was prepared to do like it was never it was never a good time either time (laughs) yeah because of the family environment that you guys set up you're just like hey you family member you're family member you're out of here technically hasn't been three has it been three oh you're right three Salsa. Yeah. It's been three. Yeah. It's never never been a good thing. But as far as management goes, I mean, it's just something that comes along with the good of the group and going the directions you want to go. And honestly, sometimes. In some cases, it was more or less like not even just the good of us, but the good of the other performer of like, it's time time Mm -hmm. for you to do other things. Yeah. 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 Sometimes people need a little extra help getting out the door towards their dream. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, like when it comes to managing a group of so many different individuals, it was it was part meeting with everybody and kind of determining what everybody else wanted to get out of it. Because like we said earlier, I mean, there's different commitment levels to performing and trying to figure out how to best match everybody with what they wanted to be doing. And also things going around in their life, too. I mean, like you mentioned... Oh, yeah. You're homeless going into going to B Gate. It's like yeah. let's not let's not overly stress Chris and Teresa while they're homeless. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then, th- and things then are there, going on in people's lives at different times. And then there was times yeah. when we knew that any sort of outside performances, or if we were going to start traveling, we did know that you know you guys might not want to join us. Or well, we you know, were starting our business, the home right, inspection were, business, and when you guys started touring, it just like was not practical for us to take any time away, which is honestly 
building our own business was a big player and why we were like, we can't manage Fondazi anymore, but we want it to survive. And so we were like, save the baby mm-hmm. <laughs> and handed it to you. And that was nice that, you know, you gave us space and weren't like, you're not team players. Ah. So having the space to be able to attend to some of the life things that come up. Well, and find a new role inside Fondazi where we're not in charge. Mm-hmm. And we can just be there and participate that i mean and having everybody else come around to that we're not in charge you are mm-hmm. yeah you know, that yeah, defi- actually took a few years yeah. yeah quite a few and then even more beyond that of clearly defining everybody's roles and everybody yeah. getting <clears throat> getting to do what they excel at within the group right putting well, also, brett in charge of safety i also think that outside of the group it's taken like the entire festival years to figure out that Chris isn't in charge sometimes. I mean, people still come up to me and ask for Chris, and I'm like, for why? Why do Why do you want, like, are, is there something you need with Fondazi? Because then you need to talk to Adam or myself. Like, But you guys have also brought in what I think is one of the other great talents that you have, is contract negotiation skills. That's all him. Yeah, that people look at that me was... and I break and I cry, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, we'll do whatever you want for $2. Okay. Honestly, like, my beginning for negotiations like the only thing i ever learned was uh dave ramsey yeah. my my dad paid for us to go to a dave ramsey course and if you guys if you guys don't know he's, yeah, he's basically know. Ca- cash yeah. is king yeah. and you got to negotiate everything and all i all i got out of that was you can go into a negotiation whatever it is and ask can you do better mm-hmm. and so <laughs> Basically, just go to go to management that or whoever wants to hire us. I'm like, that's good. Yeah, I, can you do better? And mm-hmm. it, it's amazing how many people are like, what? Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're giving you more money, and you're like, all right, that worked out. That worked out okay. Since then, and, though, you have read other <laughs> negotiation books right. and listened to podcasts and. Mm-hmm. listen to yeah. books on whatever to- it also it also really helped we did a we did a performance for the minnesota county's yeah. computer cooperative which is a mouthful to say but uh we beautiful we place. gave them a higher price than we had ever been paid before at that time and we brought all the fondazi up there they gave us rooms in the hotel and everything and it was we a knocked out event. the performance it was so fun it was a really was fun good. performance yeah. good event and then the the lady that booked us was really so gracious to talk to me a few days later and go, you know, we would have paid you twice that. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Yeah, tell me more. And she's like, well, this is what this is what you should be charging. And then after that, it was convincing both myself and Katie and the rest of the group of like what we were actually worth yeah. to go out and perform. Uh, and then it was, we made the rule after that of like, no more, uh, no more free performances. No more free, no. No, more free. Uh, no, more, no more exposure. It'll be good well, for your I, exposure. I think what people don't quite understand, at least the show now, for us to put on a quote unquote free show costs us a couple hundred dollars. Right. It does. Because we have fuel, we have Kevlar, we have costuming, we have music, we have everything that goes on. And to do a legitimately do a free show, we have we spend each hundred dollars or more. Oh, the that hours was... and hours of rehearsal. Right. And... Since we're yeah. since we're talking contracts, that was another one of the the big differences. We talked about Fondazi being an entity and its own thing. Uh, we started paying Fondazi yeah. first thing. Yeah. 
was we don't want everyone chipping in for fuel at the end of the day to buy more fuel for the next day. Which was uh, something I argued against because I was like, no, people aren't going to want to do that. <laughs> nope, they're not going to want to do that. And Adam's like, but it's the only way that you guys will eventually get more tips. I'm like, no. Like, I'm, we, you and I had a huge discussion on, mm -hmm. on all of that. But that's, again, a festival <laughs> thing. That's like, that's the way it's always been done from what I from what I understand, you just go from gallon to gallon. It's why most of the time now I don't argue with him when it comes to things that are logistical and I'm like, okay. You gotta buy more stuff. Nowadays we're buying a thousand dollars worth of fuel at the beginning of the of the season. Yes, and then usually we need more in the and middle And we need of the to season. buy more before we're done, but, but our fans love we, it when you post those photos. We did not order any this year. So. Yeah. <laughs> Off the federal watch list. <laughs> but we didn't just spend our own money for yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so we paid Fondazi and we make Fondazi pay for everything instead of it coming out of people's profits. No, I, I really love the fact that Fondazi gets paid because then for, you know, new merchandise idea, do we have a budget for that? Or, oh my gosh, a prop just exploded. Do we have a budget <laughs> to do that? And you guys yeah. do. And I love that, the fact that we can actually afford to maintain and, you know, and also with the um, contract negotiation you're talking about, we are now a 16 or 17, because I'm not good at math, year old group. We've been <laughs> at this for a very long time. We are all in our late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. We are actually clearly professional level at this point. And so it's okay for us to be asking for what we want to get for a contract right. and the in entertainment industry at large has changed in the last few years where people are now openly talking about what they get paid a lot more right. which helps because when we were starting it was super top secret hush hush no one ever talks about anything right. so you right. don't even know where to start from yeah well i think that's a way of putting everyone against each other so you don't really know. absolutely it is so you don't negotiate well right, right. i would I would still have trouble getting numbers from other top acts. What I would end up having to do is talk to them and be like, hey, they, we're getting paid this. Should I be getting more? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so you at least had an idea that you were making less than other top acts out there. Yeah. And you had you had some way to go, you know, some negotiation strength. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, and you know, all in that the money end, goes to making our fans happy. It a does. lot of it does. A lot of yes. it goes straight back into more fire. It, it, it goes into either the props or the merchandise for us to sell or... That was actually another thing, too, is uh, we talked a little bit about the first two episodes of, like, building props for Fondazi. Yes. And Fondazi owns all of its props now. We once ordered a hula hoop for, for myself. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. From online, from... I don't even remember. Top hula hoop maker. Yeah. yeah. And it came, and it was, like... A hula hoop from Target that they had put, I, I kid you not, about this big, like three here, of a Kevlar ball on a staff that was like this big. That's up. not more fire. And it was a hula hoop, seriously, that I could have bought at Target. It didn't meet our standards it, of more it fire. Was, it, no. it would have broken within app two shows, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So those who know that when I hula hoop, my hoop is 20 pounds? about 30 pounds 15 20 pounds probably yeah that's 120 so big, pounds she's the only one that can be i can nobody can else do it because it's so heavy and big that's right yes <laughs> yeah i make them super heavy duty so they don't hardly ever break they have i didn't say they never do because <laughs> anything well, sometimes can. 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 
Yes. Yeah, I think that was a, uh, wasn't that a, a heat exposure mm. issue? I think it. It got it melted in the sun. Yes. It, yeah, it was it was not the fire that actually heated it up too much. It was the sun yep. heated up the uh, it's made out of irrigation tubing. So it's it's plastic. It's a really intense plastic, but it, it can be molded, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially with 100 plus degree heat. And that was the day that I remember coming off stage and dropping the hoop. And Teresa, you like made me sit down. You started like taking off my clothes because I couldn't like focus i was so yeah. hot and yeah. like those who don't know which most like 90 percent of people who don't know me don't know this um i have this weird genetic thing where i don't sweat yep. so i get hot really easy and yes. so Teresa has saved me and chris multiple times by like making me sit down <laughs> and drink water because i was like i'm fine yes fine and they're always like no <laughs> sit down <laughs> Yeah, heat yes, exhaustion we gave is a thing. And then we became your. <laughs> then, then you came like Katie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, now you just take care of us. Yeah. <laughs> put us in charge and then try, try to take care of us. Mom and Dad, you need to take a break. <laughs> right. <laughs> and also, um, and we don't need to get into the details of what this is, but all four of us have now taken yes. a behavioral profile that yes. is incredibly detailed. And I think that. Moving forward is really going to help all of us know our strengths, our weaknesses, and where we can help each other out. But yes, the behavior profile information is very useful. I, yes. I highly recommend everybody that works together for 15, 16 years to suddenly after year 16 stop and be like, hey, let's figure ourselves out. Yeah, right? let's get to know one another. Yes. That's why you do that. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And finding it out about your spouse. Okay, Camille, um, do we have any... Uh, highlights of uh, managing with your spouse. I have to say that ours is working together in the heat when either of us is hungry and then um, yelling in front of everybody. <laughs> Those are oh, fun yes. I think that so it is something that people bad. need to know is that we will once a year, everybody argues with their spouse backstage. And I remember telling Kristen her first year of there's going to be spousal arguments. And she's like, what? And then I think it was after you guys argued one day, and then like the next day Adam and I argued. She was like, "I get it now." I'm like, I yeah, think I actually, I might. We all argue in front of each other. We all have also oh, yelled yes. at each yeah. other over children. It's hard to tell who's yelling at who. There's kids screaming, and it's not like mean yelling. Nobody has ever <laughs> no, gotten nothing nasty because like that. that would not be tolerated. No, well, by no. I honestly don't think that any of us really go nasty with our spouse. I don't know no, about you. But absolutely like, not. The only thing, no. I, honestly, the only argument I've ever seen is really the hungry, hot, yeah. and exhausted That's, from yes. performing. Yeah. Which is a human problem for everybody. Yeah. You know? Which I think is why we all just kind of go, mm. yeah. yeah. Just yeah. give them a glass okay. of water and a brownie, and they're going to be okay. Give them some space. Some of the days that were I, out there were, it's a 100-degree heat index. 109-degree heat index, as far as I know, is the hottest that we performed it's in. It's like 90% humidity. Yeah. And then you get on stage and surround yourself with fire, which just intensifies the heat around you because the humid air holds more heat. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it just jumps that level of heat. And, and to be on stage, be present and be intense, cooking in that, you get off, you're just wrecked. And it, yeah. it, it takes it out of you at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, the 2 o'clock show is in the sun. Yeah. It's brutal. So at the end of the day, you haven't been drinking the pickle juice. You haven't been hydrating, eating food. It's hard to it's hard to eat when it's that hot. Mm -hmm. I will say though, some of those shows is like the best moments of like the sun is blaring in your eyes and you can't see anything, and somebody threw a staff at you and you still caught it. 
Like, Those no are the best feelings ever. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We had one of those at the the winter show that we did together this last year where something happened and I caught a staff and I was like on this high for the entire night. So I was like slipping on the ice. There were sparkly lights everywhere and magically I caught the staff out of the air. I was like, yeah, I did my job at its basic level. (laughs) Well, that's that's why we practice because... You learn to throw right, you learn to catch right, when you put your hand there or the prop is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we do it. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, hop on over to Patreon and look for Fondazi Fire. If you have any questions or show ideas for us in the future, anything you want to know, then email us at fondazi at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to Fondazi Fire Presents. What do you want on your favorite podcast platform?